You are listening to Corellian Run Radio, your route through hyperspace to the latest news on Star Wars The Old Republic. This episode is brought to you by the Coruscant Planetary Defense System, a military force so impregnable that enemies cannot even think about landing on the planet's surface not even to attack strategic sites of military or cultural importance. Say, the Jedi Temple, for example. So why didn't these guys put that stuff up before the sacking of Coruscant? Hi, and welcome to Corellian Run Radio. I'm Kathy, and this is episode number 15. We are recording Tuesday night, January 25th, 2011. I am joined tonight by my regular hosts, Carla... Hello, everyone. And Roxanne. Hey, guys. And we also have a special guest. We've been keeping this under our hat because we weren't sure if it was going to happen, but we got uh, Emlea from Darth Hader to join us tonight. Thanks for coming, Emlea, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I've always wanted to hang out with the girls for a night. <laughs> uh, yes, the Girl Gamer League. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Em, you're our guest, so why don't you, is there anything that you've been doing interesting in your life this past couple weeks? Um, I've been working and quitting smoking, but that's about it. <laughs> yes. yes. And work, of course, working on Darth Vader, but yeah, but mostly real life work has swamped me, and people haven't seen much of me, but it's because I've been working so hard. And uh, also lots of stuff on coming down the pike for Darth Vader, so um, if you guys notice, we've launching some new uh, website features. And, yeah, uh, the yeah, new media that's a thing. thing. That was, that, very that very was one, and then we're working on a bunch of other things that I can't talk about yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be watching the site eagerly for, for new stuff. Um, okay, Carla, how about you? Well, I've been working on a couple of my own personal websites, and I've also been trying to keep our CorellianRun.com website um, up to date, thanks to you and your wonderful writing skills <laughs> I can do that um, and we have had the attack of the spammers on our forums so we have tried to change some of our forum settings and I've been working on that and looks like we're getting a handle on our spammers and making them go away yeah, that's good. In fact, M had some advice for us, so thanks for that. <laughs> um, oh, anytime. Uh, who who likes spammers? No one likes I know. spammers. So we anyone really that they get better. <laughs> the Viagra and the porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was always fun. We always had the Levitra ones when we first started out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about you, Roxanne? Um, I've just been busy doing work stuff, and I'm like, I'm building a. a an equipment simulator right now and I'm I'm super super bored cuz I've been on this is like month I think 7 of this project so I'm done and I've been done with all the bulk modeling for a couple months and now it's just like going around um inside the actual game engine the simulator and I just have to uh you know create and adhere to naming conventions and work with the programmers and it's like not fun <laughs> the way modeling is you just have to like go around and you you know check uh, the storyboards all day, and you name things and have to talk to people. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing, and I miss that's modeling. At, that's at work, right? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Okay, well, very, 
Well, it sounds, it's all over my head, but but good for you. Um, I have been, you'll be so proud of me, Roxanne, I have been playing KOTOR, which Hooray. I've never played, and I've really been enjoying it. I, um, I, uh, I was trying to make try to get that that Bioware flavor, the Star Wars, learn the Star Wars stuff the fun way. Um, and also, I discovered through extra credits um, this little browser game called Echo Bazaar, which is just the cleverest and quirkiest browser game I've ever seen. And I I highly recommend it to people who just like clever writing and kind of a moody little weird atmosphere. Um, it, the the guys on extra credits were talking about. Which is a video, uh, video. I guess they're like a video they... lecture series on yes. the escapist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When you say lecture series, that sounds boring, but they really aren't. They're animated and they're funny and they're really, really smart. And if you like game uh, developer, the the game developing side of things, I highly recommend them. But um, anyway, that's what I've been up to. Um, I uh, I will put a link to Echo Bizarre in our in our show show notes so that people will join and maybe be my friend and I can invite them to dinner. <laughs> well, that sounds cool. Well, <laughs> I want to know, I want to hear from Emlea. I want to know all about, well, not all about because we'd be here forever, but I'd like a quick history of Darth Hader. Whose idea was it and how did it get started? Um, Darth Hader got started um, in the summer of 2009, actually. Um, I think right after E3-ish. Um, it was Justin and Pete and Colm at the time, um, and Dave all got together from, I think they all knew each other from prior guilds and tour forums and stuff like that, and, uh, all got together to start Darth Hader, and then I came in a couple of months later to kind of help them take it to the next level, you know, and not have typos and articles and stuff like that, <laughs> and, and, you know, and... Uh, really uh, work on the relationship with Bioware and turn it from like a it, it used to be kind of negative because we had some stuff that we weren't supposed to have um, and uh, turn it more into a positive proactive relationship and I'm quite proud that we've been able to do that well what was their original mission when they got started you know when Darth Vader started the original mission was to have a site that was completely 100% dedicated to Star Wars The Old Republic following the game, pointing stuff out for, like, in our dissections and stuff like that. Uh, people may not, like, closely see, you know, and, like, kind of find all these little gems they were hiding in their marketing message and what did what we thought they meant when they said certain things. So we really just wanted it to be a good destination where it's like a more controlled environment than say the tour forums, the official site, and kind of act as a complement to it and just be a general like a uh, fan site, you know. We love the game. Has your mission changed in the be since the beginning? I mean, has it evolved to what it is today because I mean, it's an awesome site. I mean, you guys are the encyclopedia <laughs> mm, yeah. on tour, you know. So, I mean, but has it changed to get to that or, you know, evolved to get to that point? I think it's constantly evolving. I don't think we're done finishing. It's just a lot of things that we want on the site right now don't make sense to have it on right now. Like, uh, um, we've launched things in a very method you know, in a, in a very methodical manner is the best way to say it. Um, we do things as they get closer and closer to release 
we have a, a production schedule at missions, but our mission, has it changed? No. We want to be the top destination site. We want intelligent discussion. We don't want trolls and that kind of stuff. And we want uh, to give a whole variety of opinions, although there are some things that are quote-unquote Darth Hader stance that the whole team has to agree on in terms of editorial. But there's a ton of discourse on, on many, many subjects when it comes to the game. Well, you said that you came onto the team after it had already been established. How did you get into the picture? I mean, tell us how that whole thing came about. Um, I, we just, uh, our vent server is, is a, a magnet for people to come and talk about the game and talk to us and what do we think about the game, et cetera, and game with each and game with other people as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I just hopped on vent one day and just said, Hey, what's up with you guys? And then we all started talking and it just seemed to be a good fit. And at the time I was only working like about. 20 hours a week, so I had time to, to really focus on it for them. Awesome. Oh, that's okay. So your official title is executive producer, right? Correct. What, what kinds of things, what are your primary responsibilities there? I heard cats is the best way to put it. I wear many, <laughs> many, many hats. Um, do everything from, uh, you know, transcribing stuff. I, I handle the relationship with Bioware. I'm like the main point of contact with them. Um, also, uh, uh, so make sure everything there is all good and happy and, you know, make sure that it's a good productive uh, relationship. Um, the second thing that we do is, that I do in particular, is, uh, you know, do a lot of copy editing, a lot of toning with the site. Does that make sense? Like when you want to make sure you have a specific editorial tone. Marketing, um obviously advertising as well and I share a lot of the responsibilities that I do with Pete and then also you know we all kind of get together I also help manage the I manage the production schedules for all the technology development so like I do that in conjunction with Dave the Ryan Arc the people on the, the person on the Darth Vader core team that doesn't know we, d nobody knows who he is <laughs> but he's the guy who <laughs> built everything and uh, and recently I have minions now which is great I have associate producers, and we're always looking for more of that. But you really need to have, like, to be an executive producer, you're the person that's, like, you're part product manager and you're part project manager. And so if you really, like, you're not, like, physically, like, the one writing stuff all the time. You're you're person that's making sure that it's, everything's getting done. You mm -hmm. know, we have, we have editorial schedules. We have podcast schedules, and that's mainly Pete's responsibilities. And Pete works with me. Like, Pete handles, like... Um, a lot of the podcast stuff and a lot of the financial stuff and I hand I handle things with, you know, lawyers, bioware, this that and you know, like all and the staff itself and just make sure everything's up to our particular quality standards and then plus, you know, all of our coverage, just making sure like who's doing what when, you right, know, right. that kind of stuff. So uh, that, uh, it's a good chunk of what I do. But then I also throw in the hat and do a lot of the dirty work which is, you know, um, transcribing interviews, um, fact-checking stuff, um, what else, uh, fact-checking stuff, and then also, um, getting stuff in on the site, you know, formatting it and things like that, but this is, like, we just all kind of, like, help each other when someone's, you know, can't mm -hmm. do something, like, I'm always there to, like, you know, pitch in and help and get it done, you know, like, I used to, I was doing, like, all the Friday updates, I think, last year, so, right, um, right. you know, it's, like, stuff it, like that. It, 
Sounds like a full-time job to me. It is. <laughs> it is a full-time job. More, on top more of than my a regular job. job. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, it is. It's 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 not something. People are like, well, you know, fan sites should be simple. And yeah, they should. They should be like. I encourage like anyone to like go and like do a blog and just if it's even if it's just your own thoughts on the game, you should create one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have your own little platform and mouthpiece. I mean, but here we have a. I mean, I think we have close. I was going to say, I think people. Yeah, I think- and yeah, you guys you have a slightly different. different. Yeah, we're we're trying to <laughs> encompass a lot of different areas. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, let me ask. Um, I know I know some uh, Darth Hader has been in doing this podcast for a while, and um, when when the game is finally released, are you guys going to keep keep doing the podcast and then do it more from yeah. the perspective of what's going? Okay, there might actually, be, and I'll give you a little hint there. There might actually be more than one. Oh. oh, you heard it here first, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, we will have more questions for Emilia from Darth Hader um, a little bit later and have her talk to us a little bit more about Jedi Immersion Day um, later in the show. Okay, but now it is time for our host challenge. Fact. You know it to be true. Or fiction. That's impossible. I'm going to read three bits of information or three leads about the game. Two of them will be made up or not yet confirmed, and only one will be a fact confirmed by Bioware. Your job, team, is to pick out which one is true. Are you guys ready? Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. Lead number one. Once the Republic discovered that the toxic chemicals on Kesh could be used to synthesize high-potency adrenals, they quietly bribed the Black Sun Syndicate to violate the neutrality treaties and help Republic engineers manufacture this valuable commodity on Kesh. Lead number two. BioWare confirmed that they will attend PAX East in Boston, Massachusetts, where they will announce a release date for tour. (laughs) Lead number three. In a dev tracker post, Georg or George Zoller, lead combat designer at BioWare, confirmed that players will be able to respec their skill points within their advanced class. Okay, so after hearing all three leads, which one do you ladies think is the confirmed fact? Well, honestly, <laughs> I know which one it is. But I'm praying for number two. (laughs) (laughs) I'm praying for number two, but number three is the accurate one. And number one sounds really good. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys, Roxanne and Amelia, do you agree? Sorry, can I hear a summary of the first point again? (laughs) The Republic, (laughs) once the Republic discovered that the the toxic chemicals in Kesh could be used to make adrenals, they bribed the Black Sun Syndicate to help them. Yeah, I know that like half of that is true, which is why it's confusing. I'm also with Carla on this one. Yeah, that's right. How about you? Um, do you have an opinion? Um, I when it comes to release date stuff, I really can't comment on it. But will they be at Paxies? Yes. And will, will, we, will <laughs> yeah, we be right. at Paxies? Yes. Will <laughs> I be I at Paxies? They... No. <laughs> So that's the best thing I could say there. Yeah, I think they did not say that they were going to do a release date. So, yes, Carla, you are right. It was the third one. Uh, You had the dev tracker post saying that you will be able to respec your uh, skill points in your advanced class. And I think that's the first time 
they said that because at the beginning weren't they saying we don't think you should be able to this is you know a long time back <laughs> um, um so. no you can re- you, they always said that you could back back in this december of 2009 when we went to the very first thing when we played at our first mm-hmm. hands-on opportunity we had an interview with jake neary who is a producer over at lucas arts so unfortunately he's not with the company anymore uh, but he said very specifically, you can move those points around and stuff like that. Oh, good. We, it's good. just the advanced class stuff. Like, can I switch from an assassin to um, a sorcerer? No, you couldn't do that. Right. right. So, right. and, and it I looks think like it's they, not they, set in stone. Yeah, I think this most recent, uh, they, he said, uh, Zoller said they hadn't decided whether to allow it. Um, to allow more freedom. But right now, within the advanced class, you will be able to. So, very good. Excellent. Um, all right. Carla, I think, are we net ready to go on to the latest news and tour? Absolutely. But I just want to mention, Bioware, we're counting on you for packs now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my two cents in. <laughs> anyway, right. that takes us to the latest news um, in tour. From the Newsnet. And, and beyond. Friday, January 14th, Friday update, where we had the Sith propaganda posters, which were absolutely my favorite, by the way. We had fan fiction, we had polls, starship designs, Q&As, all kinds of good stuff. What do you, did you guys think about that update? Well, I was really impressed with the uh, the kind of propaganda posters um, in the style of Tor. That's like that's pretty much the best thing I've ever seen <laughs> on the the fan the fan fiction forums. I was really impressed. They're just really really slick, really good. And they look like they could have been made by someone who is, you know, trained in graphic design. So yeah, yeah, those are that's definitely my favorite of all the Fan Friday artwork that I've seen. I really enjoy that. I'm not that big a fan. I'm not a huge. I don't get real excited about fan Fridays, but I did like those post those posters. Um, yeah. Also, uh, they had those what the the Q and A questions. If I, I most of them, I felt like were kind of stuff we already knew about. But but there was that one good question about had the somebody asked if you could miss acquiring a com- a companion without realizing it. You know, sort of like I don't know, accidentally killing somebody or. We're skipping over a part. So they, they said, I mean, I don't think they definitively said, who was it that answered those anyways? Does anybody remember? Oh, well, anyway, I, they, they didn't, def- they said it would be pretty hard to do, I think was the impression that it'll be kind of, it'll be obvious, you know, when, when somebody is, could, could be in a companion. So that was good to hear. I know that's sort of the way that like Bioware games have been always though. Cause like, I don't know, maybe just for, uh, like the past two Mass Effect games and KOTOR and stuff, they're never really off the beaten path. I remember in like Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, they would be like totally random places and quests that you could never encounter. So you had to actually like go out and try to find these people. And there, there were enough companions in those games that you could go through the entire game and like never find them. Because there would be like 15 potential NPCs and you, you know, your party only has room for five other than you. But um, I don't know, probably just because, like, 
now <laughs> that we're not like uh, 3D sprites and stuff and the cost that it takes to actually make assets, you have to hire voice actors, they're, they have more to lose by creating entire characters and storylines that you could just totally miss. <laughs> That's right. Although I think they did say in that answer that they reserve the, you know, the right to maybe stick, you know, have like a, a couple of companions you're here or there, or maybe one really special one that takes a lot more digging than, than the rest. So, so that'll be cool to see if what happens there. I agree. And they also had two polls. One of the polls was, uh, what's your favorite part about being in a guild? And of course, then they had the opposite, which is what is the worst part about being in a guild? And then they had, what is your favorite fan site? And so there was a lot of interesting entries. There's a lot of people that got left out. And, um, you know, we ha had um, certainly a good turnout on our votes. Uh, we're not ever going to be the biggest podcast out there, but we had fun being in the running. We were very proud that we were even mentioned. So thank you for whoever set that poll up. Just like, yes, in the Academy Awards when the person who wins goes, just to be nominated is an honor. <laughs> and it always sounds sort of hokey, but it's but true. It's true. <laughs> I really felt that way. I was like, Corellian Run Radio, look, we're on the list. Oh, Darth Hader has a thousand more votes than we do. <laughs> but oh well, that's okay. <laughs> Justly deserved, though. Justly deserved. Yes, we should probably say that Darth Hader uh, ran away with a lead with something like 69% of the vote. <laughs> um, and Torocast was second with 16%. And then there were just a few here and there, a handful. But but it was nice because there was – I liked this thread better. It didn't There was another similar thread, and that one sort of devolved, you know, the favorite podcast. That really devolved into kind of like a lot of negative comments, I thought. And this one was a lot more positive in general, I thought. And I, there were a couple of sites that I hadn't heard of. So I, I you know, I took, took a look at them, and that was nice. I thought it was pretty cool, too. Very cool. And then we had the Starship Design, which was um, the Imperial Agents ship. Um, and they did that whole breakdown of that ship, and I thought it was awesome. I don't know what, how you guys feel, but I think that is the coolest-looking ship in the game so far. I like it, too, a lot. This is definitely my favorite design from all the starships. I was reading really quickly in the notes how they, you know, they based it off of the, um, the SR-71 Blackbird, which is a, a bomber that I think was retired... Uh, not kind of recently, like in the 90s maybe, but it has a definite, you know, uh, a really easily distinguished shape. It's a little longer. This is a little more compact and, uh, and wide because the Blackbird has a really long kind of nose. But, um, yeah, no, this is definitely my favorite ship. Looks very high-tech, high very high-class, and seems very appropriate for the Imperial agent. Yeah, and the developer, the update was just really, you know, like the blog, whoever, you know, was really really detailed and and i'm sure that if the artists out there really appreciated that level of description and that was the x70b phantom class prototype so oh, thank you <laughs> um all right i think that's t that was that it for that update that was general. it for that friday's update all right um, so the next one, the next Friday update, was from January 21st, and that was the new planet Kesh, or Quesh. I don't know if we absolutely know how to pronounce it, but I like Kesh, so that's what I'm going to say. It's the 17th planet. Um, it's what? It's brown. It's 
toxic, <laughs> as we talked about in the, the in the factor fiction. Uh, it has some valuable materials there, and, and now it sounds like you know what they they said that the when the empire suddenly realized what was going on. Now now there's a place for skirmishes or battles, and some people are talking PvP. I think. Uh, um, I have to say that when. You know, I don't want to get on this bandwagon of, of whining about the, the quality of the updates, but I could not resist being slightly snarky in my, in our forums post. And I and I said, you know, Friday update. I said, uh, what is it? Oh, dear, more story. I mean, yay, another planet. And here I am, you know, thinking, you know, in the, in the privacy of our forums, I'm safe. But, like, the very next post was from David Bass. <laughs> I felt like I felt like I had been caught in the hall talking about a teacher and the principal had gone by. <laughs> you know? And he's like, he's like, hey, you know, that's, this is a planet that we have created on our very own. You know, surely that's worth something. And he had a little smiley face. And so I sort of felt like, well, you know, I had to respond. And I said, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like sometimes with these updates, because, because I personally am, am not that much in, you know, I like the lore, but I, I just don't, don't, I'm not going to be the person who just pours over Wikipedia over everything. But I said, I feel sometimes like Bioware is that favorite aunt who sends you socks every Christmas and they're really nice socks and they're really well made but but in the end they're socks and you have so many socks that that <laughs> even even though you appreciate the thought it's just kind of hard to get excited about it so that was my my little okay I'm sorry but you know <laughs> it's like it's just not my favorite update but it's, it's just me but you know one of the things that he pointed out because he pointed out that this was a planet that was created by Bioware and not mm -hmm. something that's being reintroduced, I can understand why that would be special to them, you know, and I can see why they would be excited about that release. So, you know, I empathize, and, and, and I think it's just because we like the, the sensationalism of having something more. I mean, it's just a planet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just a planet. Oh, we're so ungrateful. <laughs> we don't mean and it. And we're we not, we're not really, we're not really, but it's just a planet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think the so, biggest um, thing is that the biggest thing that was that update did was like ho totally blow through the people that were hanging on to the theory that there were only going to be 16 planets in the game. Well, that's well, true. That's so true. that's I, I, huge. Not, yeah. I mean, I didn't like it because, quite frankly, I'm like, great, it's another Republic planet. I haven't <laughs> seen a Sith-controlled yeah. planet in over a year. You know, is that right? So, yeah, that's when Drummond Koss was oh. uh German cost it was the last been one. That long. It's yeah. been that long and I'm sitting there going, So uh, you know, the Sith we kinda, you know, tricked the whole Republic into, you know, signing a treaty and all that other stuff and we took over the outer rim and all of that other fun stuff. You mean to tell me that we don't have anything more than Korriban and Drummond Koss? <laughs> that doesn't sound right to me. And Some Empire I think it's I think it's pretty much that they're doing it to torture me because you know I'm a huge fan I've always wanted to explore Zyost which is you know the Sith, mm. Sith holy like basically like the Sith holy planet you know what I mean and it's it's kind of like tight you know like how Tython is you know oh. well, aside from Korriban you know but it's, it's in Sith space and all that other fun stuff but guess what it's a frozen planet 
how many frozen planets have we already seen? So the, the more yeah. as more and more of these planets are getting released, I'm starting to think I'm not going to see Zayas. So I'm um, I'm a little you know I'm like come on can you just give us a right? can you give <laughs> us a safe planet like maybe like Yavin or something I mean come on give give us something give yeah, us a planet so, that's Sith so I'm more happy about like now they're really supporting you know they're starting to get people to think back to what they said back I think in 2008 that there'll be dozens and dozens of planets well now people are starting to see that there's going to be more than just a handful of of things and then people are also saying well you know well, planets are only zones, and mm, not necessarily either. That either. So yeah. there's is a lot of st- there's a lot of real estate. If you want to think of like MMO real estate, there's a lot of real estate in this game. Yeah, I think I was just going to say that I, didn't Daniel Erickson recently come in, sort of like on a dev tracker, saying there are a lot more planets coming. So that and that's where I was going to lead is is going to our very next um, question. Our our topic and that was where there was a dev tracker by Daniel Erickson where he discusses the sacking and the treaty uh, treaty of Coruscant and what I found most exciting about reading reviewing everything that he had written about that in that dev tracker was exactly what you're saying Emlea and that is that there are more planets that it said that there were many smaller planets that the Sith wanted and put in that treaty and I think we're going to see more I and so you you know hold out hopes for your planet because I think there are more Sith planets to come if I, I think that that was a reason why they did the developer um, update and talking about the treaty of Coruscant is because of that that's one of the details in there <laughs> I hope so yeah yeah. I hope so. I, I'd like to see some more. I mean, the biggest thing is what Daniel Erickson said, and I've had multiple conversations with him. He is a wonderful person. He is very sarcastic. <laughs> so you have to keep that in mind, too, is that he, you know, he's, he's, he's a fun person to have a really nice long chat with, and he is an MMOer of all things. So he understands... And he's not just a writer, you know. He, like, actually, like, leads the design. Like, you know, he's on that, like, top team that, like, leads the overall vision of the game, you know, along with James Olin and everybody mm-hmm. else. So um, so he's not just, like, some schmo on his holding pole. I think a lot of people don't understand that. But he's really up there. And, like, when he says something, he, he people really need to pay attention to what he's saying. No one ever, you know, like, we did polls, like, a... I, I was I think about a year ago and we asked people like how many planets do you think are in the game? And like people were like less than sixteen. And like if you <laughs> ask that question now, they're like, Whoa, there's probably a lot of more that we haven't seen yet and I don't think that I personally don't think that you're gonna see all of the planets in the Holland as well. Yeah, I mean, here's, I found the topic, uh, or the exact wording he used. He said, the only strange clause in the Treaty of Coruscant is the seeding um, of several small, mostly uninhabited, and unimportant star systems to the Empire. So that just led me to believe that I think we're, we're in for more to come. Yeah. I just want yep, to see yep. a Sith planet, another Sith planet. On I know. Planet. I feel bad. I didn't realize it had been that long since the Sith Yeah, it's been, been that long. And so when they finally revealed the 17th, I'm like, oh, okay, so it's going to be a Sith one. No, I look at the thing and it says Republic. <laughs> I'm like, 
Oh, well, I guess, you know, come on, guys, seriously. I don't care what your marketing schedule is. Change it. Get us a Sith planet. This is ridiculous now. It's like, people, and, and people people accuse the developers of having, like, this huge Sith bias. And I'm like, anytime anyone brings that up to me, I'm like, go look at the planet Holonet and go look at all the allegiances that are there. You know, <laughs> you'll see Republic. You'll see a few independent or, un, you know, unaffiliated and then you'll have like the neutral the huts you know so what hello what what's missing so please don't accuse anything of a sith bias it, it doesn't <laughs> exist but maybe it does and it's a conspiracy I laid out that. <laughs> I, they're they're yeah. they're pretty balanced they're pretty balanced i think they are too i'm just being silly anyway that takes us to our next topic where um it was announced by Daniel Erickson that only Republic tunes can visit Coruscant. How do y'all feel about that? That surprised me, actually, because there's a concept art of a Jedi and Sith fighting on German cause, so I just assumed that there would be like the same thing for the Coruscant. <laughs> That's interesting. But there's really no way to land on Coruscant if you're Sith. Like, how are you going to get on there? So, um, unless you have like a pass. So maybe I don't know. That just that that blunt statement just kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, I mean, I think there are two ways to look at this. You can look at it from a lore aspect and just from a an MMO gaming aspect. Um, and you know, there are reasons, lore reasons, why you know you wouldn't have Sith be able to land on the planet, I guess. But um, but most people just don't like the idea because they because they they have fond memories of other MMOs where they've raided the capital city of the opposite faction and, and to be told that that doesn't seem like this is going to be able to happen is just kind of really annoying to a lot of gamers I think well it's a kind of annoying to me because I plan on playing um, initially um, an imperial agent and hey that's what we do we infiltrate you know we seduce our way right into a planet <laughs> you know I just don't think it's fair to say we can't visit it. I mean, I would think that it would need to be made very, very hard, and I don't think it should be something you could just stroll the streets. Yeah, it should you be like, it should be as difficult as, like, Cord getting into, you know, Stormwind. You know what right. I mean? It should be like that. I mean, it's a little... I mean, you can't visit it. Okay. You're Sith. You can't go on that planet. Okay. Um, but... Do you really mean that? <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's got to be a way, and figure it. Out. Maybe you got to figure it out, but there's got to be a way to get over there, right? Well, and I guess, I mean, we don't. We've heard uh, more about Coruscant than we. Well, that I can than Drummond Cost. and Coruscant just seems like this amazing place with the different levels and the cities, and we have all this stuff and. Um, and I guess you just have to make sure that the the, the opposite, Roman Koss, is going to be just as cool. I don't know. So um, you'll, maybe you'll be able to tell us this. Has, do, you, do you get the sense that um, that they've put as much that they've put out as much on Roman Koss as they have on Coruscant? Uh, definitely. De- I would. I haven't been personally. Haven't been on Roman Koss. So let's just put that out there and let me caveat that. But. Um, you know, if you read, like, Fatal Alliance and the mm-hmm. comics and all of that stuff when it comes to German costs and whenever it's mentioned, it's got a lot, of, especially in Fatal Alliance, 
they talk about the spires and stuff like that. So I think it's gonna it's gonna be a Sith city planet. There's city areas there, but there's also jungle that surrounds it. Right, so right. there are other areas. It's not as I, I I would think that it's very different than Coruscant, and because the Sith are different than the Republic than the Jedi, but um, I think it'll be very different. But it'll you'll have that city feeling, tall buildings, probably similar explorable space between the two. Um, I think they're both going to be done very, probably very very well. It's, your, it's the capital planet, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, going to be yeah. done to extremes. And when we saw Coruscant and we saw the map for Coruscant and we saw all the zones that were on there, we were like, oh, this is pretty <laughs> big. I know. So you feel like you just could walk around and kill a whole evening doing that. All right. But maybe maybe what Daniel Erickson was saying, I don't mean to interrupt, but Maybe what Daniel Erickson was saying is that we're not going to be sent there. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. It's like you can take it at face value and just say, like, you're not going to go to Coruscant. Um, and on the other hand, it could be, like, you're not supposed to go there, but maybe there is. Or maybe they're using it as a way to get people to re-roll Republic. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, like a secret sit, sit conspiracy. People, that there's only things that are just available for Republic, you know, planets. Because all the other planets, both factions can can visit right all right well we'll see if they stick to their guns on this issue i know that a lot of people hope that it'll eventually change but as it stands now you cannot visit coruscant unless you're republic all right well there's the the last dev trucker thing where is also from george zoller and he he talked about controlling companions and he wanted to clarify that you won't have direct control of them. Um, they will run their own AI, and it will not have full scripting, is what the phrase used, like in Dragon Age. Um, so you'll be able, the players will customize their behavior through uh, role there through kits and things like that. So, um, so Roxanne, you played Dragon Age. So how did how did controlling your companion work there? Well, um, I th- I played it on console, so I was a little less hands on than because if you play PC, you can do it like a top-down sort of the way, you know, that like Baldur's Gate was played. But in Dragon Age, you can, you know, you have the, your, the main character that you're controlling, but like KOTOR, you can just switch, and suddenly, like, the your companion will play, like, the player character. I think I... The scripting system that he was talking about, it's kind of like um, you can set up, like, tendencies, sort of the way that, you know, basic coding works, where you say you set priority to, to tasks and then you like can line them up like that. And if you spend a lot of time on them, they can get really, really in depth. So it can be like priority one is uh, always like cast, I don't know, some sort of buff. Priority two is uh, attack the target that the player is like attacking. It, it's stuff like that, but uh, okay. it, it can get really, really advanced. And I guess they're saying that they're what backing away from that a little and you just have these kind of like broader roles that you can choose from. Right, I think think that you that you customize yourself depending on how you equip your character is how it sounds to me. Anyway, that Could makes be. sense. Well, anyway, that leads us to um, the article that was um, put out by Gama Sutra about um, EA investors being wary about Tor. Um, the article, I mean, we have here so many doom and gloom things that, that, that go on, and we usually bypass a lot of it. This had an interesting perspective that 
it's just saying that some investors are betting against uh, the achieving market success for Tor because of um, the track record of like Warhammer Online and um, how it started off with a big bang and, and kind of fizzled and uh, then they talk about the pricing model instead of going with what the market is trying to transition to the free to play with um, model they're still going to be using a subscription based model and you hear a lot of, of this stuff and I just personally as, as someone that is, is not you know in the industry but watching the industry I think that it can be perceived both ways I think that that Bioware has a lot of good things or EA has a lot of good things going for them number one they've got Bioware producing the game and it's Star Wars and I think that a lot of people kind of overlook a lot of the good things and look for something bad and yeah, well, this is what we were talking about last time when we talked about how does how does the outside world see Tor. I mean, this is exactly the kind of article that that we were talking about is how how people who are not following every little thing the way everyone in this room has been following Tor, they kind of just get these little blips of news. And here's another example. And the the quote that really annoyed me is when with this this Mike Hickey from Janko Partners, he's an analyst, um, says something to the effect that. You know, this he he said that one of the problems is that the game that Tor has gotten quote generally modest previews, and I was like, well, I don't, you know, there have been here and there some people who have been less than enthusiastic, but in terms of the the sheer numbers of really very positive reviews, I mean, those I feel like those were just those are not the. The, the norm for what people the impressions have been so but you know they just kind of flip that out there oh the game hasn't been reviewed that well so and and now that's out there and people think that's Yay. real <laughs> yeah it's like i you know i just wish they would just take a look at the big picture i think people this are is like no this article is saying what all articles like this say which is that it's difficult to produce an mmo and it's really expensive and that um Recently, the like free to play models and have been, you know, becoming more successful. But that, you know, I think it's a kind of like a false dichotomy to say then that, like, <laughs> because, you know, like Zanga and Big Point are doing really well, it's impossible to do well on anything else. And um, I don't know. What, what was the tone of this article? It was that EA investors may be, may do well to be wary because of these two things. That's not really news you know <laughs> it's not really <laughs> reporting on anything it's just saying like two facts that we've already heard or not facts but two theories that we've heard like over and over again and you know except for ea investors is in the title this time which is not great i guess but it's also not yeah it's not reporting you know i agree I it's agree. it's totally agree i i think they just need to put these analysts and sit them down and have them play the game seriously because when you sit <laughs> yeah, down and you yeah. play it and you realize how how good it is and i think they have a winner here they have spent i think investors are wary because they've spent so much money in development and they're mm -hmm. not seeing when this money and, and it, from an investor perspective you want to see when are you going to make money it's great that you're mm -hmm. doing all this stuff in r&d and everything like that but they're probably trying to push 
for the same way, in a different way than the community pushes for. They're looking for a release date. You know what I mean? Well, it's of like it's like <laughs> what? And there hasn't been. I don't think there's only. I think there's only been one or two negative reviews. So right. this person's obviously on Mars because I have, you know, I look. If there's stuff that's wrong in the game, we tell Darth Vader tells you about it. You know, right. yeah. you know, yeah. we tell you the stuff that was like, eh, we weren't really too thrilled with this. You know, we really wanted it to go this way, and but you know, the developers have all the rationale and the reason of why it's going in that direction, and a lot of it has to do with testing data that we don't have access to. So. I think these pot-stirring articles, the EA louses of the world, what have you, they're not talking about what's in the game. So people should really, who are interested in this, they're not going to, the ones who aren't following it are going to hear from the people who are interested in the game and who are playing the game. And they're going to get, they're going to get the rest of their friends to play the game because it is that good. And I'm not just saying that because I'm from a fan site. I mean, I'm biggest, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about a lot of things. I just don't believe in criticizing a product and that's not complete. Well, that's like, not these in articles, a shippable thing. These articles don't even criticize the product. They don't even ever really go as far to mention Tor specifically. Because, like, you know, here they talk about, you know, Warhammer. <laughs> well, well, no, no, <laughs> they, no, no, no. But they, they do... But, no, they do. But he specifically is talking about Tor. He was saying that the, they're get better. Yeah, but what I mean it. is, what I mean is that they they don't say like Tor is not going to do well because of X, Y, or Z, like features in Tor. They say like right. it's not going to do well these because are... of some like these kind of vague trends in the industry, or because you know EA also like published this other game, even though the developer is totally different. Like and. I don't know. That seems like an unfair comparison to me, mostly because yeah. it well, is. And looking at the subscription model, yes, it has been announced that um, Tor or BioWare is going to be using the subscription model for Tor. But that doesn't mean they're not going to have microtransactions, too. Well. I mean, <laughs> they could they could be doing the same thing that, that Blizzard's doing, and you could buy some fancy twirly horse or something. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, we oh, don't well. know. <laughs> it's not out yet. Quit being so doom and gloom is how I feel. Uh, they it. haven't released, I think it's a push to try and release more of the financials is what they're, I, I think what this article is trying to do because investors always want this stuff. The other thing is I'm, I just pulled up their stock chart right now and it's, you know, they're doing okay. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. seen ERTS trade under 15 in a what you know, they go between mm-hmm, fifteen and eighteen. Mm-hmm. They're obviously not in their huge like, you know, multi- big huge high price that they used to be a while ago. But all the video game stuff is is suffering because the economy isn't all that good. So, right, right. you know, they're yeah. sitting there. The investors are sitting here and and trying to say like, we're giving you all this money. We're financing your operations. This is the most expensive game in your history. Give us something. That's what this article is. Basically, they're just whining, just like how like somebody would whine on the tour forums of like, oh, yes. well, you know, about the price. When they the release, <laughs> when they release the the information, when they release the information, I I think more and more positive people will be up there for it. Now, do yeah, I think that yeah. they should price lower than World of Warcraft? Yes, I think they should price mm-hmm. lower, get more in there, and then. Do you mean like their monthly, monthly, their the yeah, monthly, their monthly, monthly subscription rate? Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, seriously, yeah. like take maybe, a chance maybe. there and then and just see if, you know, you can go through 5,000 different subscription models. Like you can seriously financially model and do an analysis on what your rated return is. It's really hard to do it when you don't have a cust like an existing customer base. So they're probably using their forum registrations for it. So if you've got like a million people signed up for your forums, you know, you could assume that maybe like they hate 30 or 40% are going to get to the game and now then start doing the pricing. You yeah, know, like yeah, and, yeah. And like yeah, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're got their guys working on all the analysis on what exactly they should be doing. Hate, yeah, hated, exactly. hated this article. Did not like it. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't like it because it just reinforced my theory about the the general public being misinformed by articles like this. <laughs> anyway, all right, so let's just wrap this up. We have a f just a few quick things uh, to that we will have links for. Stephen Reed just kind of talked popped into a thread about whether there will be apps for smartphone phones. He says, well, there are no guarantees, but I like the idea. So maybe they're thinking about things like an, an auction house app for your phone and things like that. Um, I hope so. Daniel Erickson, ah, this is something that has come up on our forums, is what do you want to see, like in World of Warcraft, where you have those pop culture or humorous references to Paris Hilton or Robbie Flay and things like that, what Harrison Jones, um, do you want to see that in Tor? I mean, yeah, and Daniel Erickson kind of came in, basically said, we, while there will be, you know, humor based on just because sometimes things are funny in, in the Star Wars universe, we will not be doing that kind of immersion-breaking references because we want the game to be timeless. So that's good news for a lot of people. And finally, um, David Bass was uh, interviewed by Torocast, and he says he said that we will be seeing guild info, quote, soon <laughs> so that's something we can all look forward to um although carla wasn't i talking to you didn't did stephen reed come on tour syndicate and also you know, like last month and say that guild and film might be coming up soon yeah so their definition i don't of know soon. what soon is yes <laughs> anyway so well right. that's a wrap for the biggest tour news Okay, so instead of our usual community buzz segment, we're going to have a chat with Amaya and ask her a few more questions about Jedi Immersion Day and our hands-on time with Tor. The first question is, what was your job at Jedi Immersion Day? My job was to do everything that nobody else wanted to do. That's <laughs> the simplest way to put it. Um, I do... Well, I'm not saying that nobody wanted to do interviews and stuff like that, but um, it's sometimes um, more prolific to have, like, the editorial guys, like, really have the most time they can on the game. Um, so, you know, my going was to make sure that they could spend the entire time just playing the game. So... Uh, oh, so, wow. yeah. you know, I'd go and I did the interview. We did interviews, obviously. Um, we did one with uh, Daniel Erickson and, and and Gabe about PvP and war zones and stuff like that. And I hope everybody enjoyed those interviews, um, as well as um, you know. So then, when I'm actually playing the game, I'm the one that has to sit there and note down every single thing that I encounter. So uh, coordinating, making sure everybody's like you know, make sure everybody's in a group and they're doing group stuff and, you know, they, I have like a checklist that I use when I uh, go to these things and making sure that there's things that, specific things I have to go and look at 
Like, what were people curious about? Well, like, given, can you give us an example of the kind of thing you're talking that you would write down? Um, lots of stuff like uh, the codex, you know, all the codex entries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like all when you when oh you go gosh. in there and you um, you start seeing these things pop up and just going over the UI and seeing. What's really interesting to me is how the UI and the settings and the stats have changed over time. Since we first reported them over a year ago, a uh, year, year and a half ago, um, how the icons change, how everything's getting cleaner and crisper. When you're constantly seeing the state of the game every couple of months, it's really great. And the other thing is that I always have to remind everybody is I don't know if we're playing the build that's the release candidate build. Um, we might be playing a build that somebody like six months ago tested. We don't know. We never know how old these things are that we look at. You know, so, because if it was me in charge of marketing, if I was put on my Leo Olib hat, I would make sure that people would see the old stuff so that when they actually logged into the release candidate, um, the actually released game, they would uh, be... They would, their expectations would be low and then get amazingly exceeded. But that's, that's me. Really I'm evil. So I don't think that they're evil down there. Well, I do a little bit, but not that much. I don't think they're that evil, <laughs> but we just never know how old the builds are. So we see progressions of builds over time whenever we go and play the game, and every time stuff is much, much better. You know, like little so things, newer, newer but things. Not necessarily the newest. The, the easiest way to tell is we go in there, we go look at the game settings menu, stuff like that. See what's usually some things are still there. Um, like just to give you an example, like they are scrolling combat text stuff that wasn't in the game, the first our first two play uh, play sessions. That wasn't there at uh -huh. all, um, but. Then at E3, the build we were playing for E3 and I think was also used for our Gamescom and PAX. That's what I'm saying. What do you think? They didn't do any development on this um, <laughs> between yeah. E3 and then. Um, they, and it was the same build. So you, that was all implemented then. Okay. Right. And um, this time before I could see combat logs, this time they didn't want me to see that. So I couldn't see combat logs. Like, my combat log wouldn't spew out numbers. So they're like, oh, Darth Vader caught that the last time. You know what I mean? It's like, so I think, I think, I'm not positive. You know, it's, it, 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 you could get a puffy ego and be like, ha they're changing stuff. Because they know we found it the last time. <laughs> right? You know, and like, nobody else reported the advanced class trainers stuff. So mm -hmm. I was sitting there taking all that stuff down this time for the Jedi classes um, because we found the particular trainer that offered that. So okay. they might have blocked that out for other builds, but we were able to find it this time. But um, Or maybe we just never found the correct trainer to do it. Um, and the other thing is, is that there was always issues about, you know, as a Sith Inquisitor you couldn't click on the Sith Warrior trainer and vice versa. And um, mm -hmm. there are some things that was just, you know, before also we had limited amount of time to play so like you'd most be like an hour or two hours right 
that type of deal. Or in, and right. if it's just like one or two people, you're constantly going to deal with the interviews, you're going to go do this, you're going to do that. But this time, it was like really let these guys just play the whole time. So what I look at is like a lot of the UI development and how it's it progressed over time. The only thing I cannot stand about it right now is that where the chat box locates. It's in the upper left corner, and it's always been my pet peeve because I my eye is so trained for that thing to be on the on the lower left. So it's yeah. on the upper left, and then also everybody has their own HUD preferences. You know, like where you want your like your player unit frames and stuff to be, and so you like to move those things around. And can't you? I, I tried. I don't. I think it was locked. I don't think I could. Well, that may be just something locked now because it's still in testing. Hopefully, because I'm one of those, I like to move things around. I'm like you. I kind of like to, I like things in a certain place, and I always like my chat box in the lower left. Right. I, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm used to I'm used to my chat box in the lower left, and so we were running into issues because everybody was so used to that, that, you know, you'd have to whisper somebody in order to, like, get them to pay attention <laughs> to the chat. <laughs> right. And it was hard. And then, you know, we're, we were noti- – put it to you this way. When you can sit there for, the, for, for a long period of time, you can notice specific bugs. And some of us encountered way different bugs than other people. But we've been – put it to you this way. The game is so bug-free that when there is a bug, you really notice it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Just the early levels. I can't, like, say for the whole game. I'm sure there's tons of bugs. But you get right. to note, but over time, you get to notice, like, hey, is that thing, is that bug still there? So we have, like, a list of these things that we go and we check, like, falling through the world. I mean, I think I only got stuck through this time. Um, and I think all of us have fallen through the world every time we've sat down and played the game. Uh, but this was <laughs> the first time that we didn't. So they fixed that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they fixed that. That's good. At least on 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 Tython, it's fixed. Um, We, um, I, I still got trapped behind things because I'm retarded like that. Um, Sorry, (laughs) using that word. Um, I, you know, my Z axis isn't so hot, so boulders and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) I could get trapped behind them if they were placed a little bit too close to a like a wall or a cliff or something or side of a building so, so did you have to like get a gm to unstuck you or what <laughs> yeah base well we had people <laughs> going around and helping us out with that so yeah we, we got unstuck don't get me wrong <laughs> they, they type in some um, type stuck in some again stuff. Yeah, I'm stuck. yeah well actually this is just like 127 hours yeah well like we went and like you know, my biggest thing was always getting stuck in combat the le- one of the times I played, which was back in March, last March. And this time I didn't run into that. So just to give an example of, like, bugs that we saw that were resolved. So the game, one of the things I really want to tell everybody is that the game's in a very polished state. Like, it's way less, but w- what we were playing was in a polished Let's blow a caveat that way. What we were playing was in a very po- polished state. So I can just imagine... I mean, because I know the response time for um, GMs in uh, WoW being five days or, or something. How powerful did it feel 
to have your very own <laughs> game masters right there getting you unstuck immediately and not having to wait five days. <laughs> I think I think they're more along the lines of – and to get into that because this isn't, hasn't been – I don't think we've even really gotten into this anywhere is that – their bug reporting system is actually really intelligent in the UI. Like it asks all these very specific questions or categorized stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really nice and detailed. It's it's way better than World of Warcraft. The last time I played World of Warcraft, which Yay. was early Burning Crusade. So um, that one was not early Burning Crusade. What am I talking about? The last, the one before this, before Cataclysm. Wrath of the Lich King. Wrath of the Lich King. Okay, so I stopped. That's when I stopped playing. Was after Necrons. So, um, right then, I saw way improvement from what's currently out there on the market. It's very detailed. You can actually upload a screenshot, like a screen capture, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with your bug report. I don't know if World of Warcraft does that now, but uh -uh. you can do that in in the Old Republic for your bug reporting so it's really like they're really that's really good yeah it's like wouldn't you wish you could show them you know like in other MMOs you could show the GM what you're talking about specifically okay, the GMs wish that you could show them too <laughs> right yeah oh, that would be awesome right and like so the screenshots are there you, know, you have the ability to upload the screenshot that's fantastic um, a oh. lot of the bug reporting stuff is really good a lot of the settings have changed um, so that's where I felt like there was a lot, you could see that there's a lot of progress. Because don't forget we're comparing it to a build that we first saw at E3. So from June all the way through through November. So again, we don't know how old the builds are. But Wait, right. did, you, did you say settings? Yeah, like the settings menu. The oh, games, okay. the game, actual game settings menus changes. Mm -hmm. Like there's all companion stuff. There's stuff that you can show on your combat log and stuff like that. Of course, I couldn't see it. I don't know what the heck was going on with that. I think my client was a little bugged. <laughs> but um, there were a bunch of things like that where you could actually do like a really quick compare. And anyone who follows and reads Darth Hader, that's what we do. You know what I mean? Right. I'm sure a lot of people are just going to copy that. But that's what we do. We go and we pay attention to those little details that, and just put it out there for you guys. So that well, you guys that's can what we see. appreciate from Darth Hader, too. I mean, is because we use your site. I mean, I think everybody, we're fans of Darth Hader. So I think that we go to you because you do do those sort of things. And we really appreciate the hard work you all do. Thank you. We yeah. just yeah, do. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit down and do the Arabish translations. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, neither am um, I. I mean, we all basically learned Arabish. I, I don't speak Arabish. I, I speak Sith prophecy, so... Um, but anyway, the, the well. details like that have really come through. And then just to talk about the UI a little bit more of like how your companion displays on it, it's very similar to World of Warcraft, where you have a pet bar mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And that's what Georg Zoller, I think, was talking about, which is just, you know, it's very similar to World of Warcraft, where you have your pet and you don't take a first-person view of your pet when you're controlling yeah. him. You have a little bar, a pet bar that comes up, that kind of stuff. So things like that are the things that we really wanted to pay attention to. I just, one thing that frustrated me is I couldn't find the keys for my companion, like what were the key binds, so I was clicking a lot of those things. Well, for fun, during all of that, can you kind of give us like your overview for the Jedi immersion? Like where did everybody start and did everybody start someplace different and, and what were the major events that you got to see on this day? 
Um, what we got to see is we all started at level one. There was the Jedi Consular and the um, Jedi Knight classes. And we got to play from level one, starting on the starting quest on Tython, all the way through, if you made it in the time allowed, all the way up to level ten, but you didn't get the quest to go get your choose your advanced class. So there was a whole bunch of people from obviously, you know, you saw like the press that was all over that was all over the web about um about this uh hands on event. Um and so we were all in a room and I think it was me and Bree from uh massively, massively. We were the only chick. Yeah, she, we were the only women there. <laughs> so it's it, it was starting to smell a little MMO in there after a couple yeah. of hours after lunch. <laughs> so it was a really it was a really fun time. Um it was nice to be able to sit there and just be like I don't have to get up in an hour type of thing. So that was really nice that you could really experience and really explore stuff around and um Breeze write up of her experience is one of the most fun things I've ever read. So everybody should go check out it massively if you haven't and go read it cuz it's fantastic. She I love it her writing really style. Good. I like, you know, I did something very similar for the trooper. I wasn't able to write that much this time because of my limited time. But that's the biggest. She she did a fantastic hands-on write-up. So everybody should check that out as well. Yeah, I'll try to remember you know, to put a link in our show notes. For yeah, that. it's really it's, it's a really great article. So she does a lot of things that I do. So <laughs> it's like, you know, let's go see if I can climb that wall. You know, it's like dumb stuff like that. So. We do a lot of things very similarly, and then we also had, um, you know, went to lunch with the devs and then came back, and then they set us up for doing a multiplayer demo. So that's the event that we really did, which is what you saw back at E3, a portion of it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, like, the big event type thing. Is like So the main points, I guess, that they wanted us to see is how companions work and how you acquire them. And mm -hmm. what their how what their combat is, and it's you know it was pretty sketchy early demo with them. Like some of them didn't have full abilities, um, and they also wanted to show us working in group play and, and in uh, multiplayer in a PVE setting, not PVP. Although I wish they did it PVP, <laughs> but because that would have been more fun. That sounds great. What a and the whole day. How long was the whole day? It was about seven hours. I think yeah, seven, uh, seven hours. It was a long fun. time. It was it was fun. It was definitely fun. I mean, most of my entire morning was spent um, just chucking things, writing stuff down, like all over the place. So uh, mm -hmm. writing and voice recording and dictating. Um, so I was doing that interviews, and then when I came back. I got to play for a little bit more, and then we had to do the multiplayer demo. So it was uh, it was definitely a fun day. I hope they do that again for the Sith classes. Yeah, and I would I would recommend to any of our listeners who haven't listened to the the three hour Darth Vader podcast oh my gosh, or however long it was, but but they do like M and everybody they talk pretty extensively about about the their experience and the flashpoints and all that stuff. So so go give that a listen if you haven't. Um, do it in small chunks. <laughs> um, well, let's yes. move on to <laughs> yes to <laughs> like the little nitty the details of fighting. I'm really interested in. You know how in WoW, you kind of, if you get your, you figure out pretty quickly the two or three abilities you're just going to use over and over and over again, and then no matter, pretty much no matter what, when you're out just questing. So do you feel like the, Tor had the same sort of, you know, one-size-fits-all rotation, or was it, were there were there more things, were there more variables where you, where you actually had to think about what was going on before you engaged the next set of mobs? 
Um, in the beginning, it was kind of rotation-ish based. But you have to remember, you're starting out with a lot more ability than you do in other MMOs. Well, that's true. Is that true? I mean, yeah, you usually get like one. <laughs> yeah, one. usually at right? level one, you get one ability, one or two abilities. And this thing had like a whole bunch, which was really nice. And that really added mm. to the heroic feeling, if that makes any sense. Nice. Um, so you would do rotations and stuff like that. But as soon as you were like introduced to your companions, difficulty ramped up. So mm. you'd have to think more and you'd have to use your companion pretty tactically you know in a tactic manner like kiting stuff and mm -hmm. you know as a consular you're all about like crowd control and you're a caster and you're like that's what you want to do you don't really get your heal until much later so you're pretty much just pew pewing is the best way but, well instead of pew pewing you're you're throwing rocks which is really <laughs> yeah. interesting I which is interesting to see what that's like <laughs> it's fun i mean it's fun after a while you know you're like okay let's mix it up a bit but every level you're gaining you're pretty much gaining a new ability so hmm. there's always something new being added to the mix and the xp gain in the beginning in this build was very fast so you were constantly adding some stuff onto your toolbar Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's really neat. Now, and how did like the the mobs, like the AI of the things that you were fighting, did it did it feel pretty, you know, blah? Did they just run at you and just keep hitting you until they were dead, or you were dead, or did they do did they try to do other things that maybe took you by surprise? The death animations and 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 it's kind of blurry for me because I I played a, lot, a bunch of the classes, um, but the AI reacts to you is the best way for me mm -hmm. to put it. They always have a reacting animation. Like, if you slowed them down, they walk slow. They would... When they go to block, they actually block. They don't just stand there and not, you know, take the hit, and all you see is, like, the, uh. the text. They block. They, they do resulting reactions. They're intelligent. They take cover. They... Well, the humanoid ones do. Um, beasts are kind of stupid, so they're, they kind of just want to, like, gnaw on you. But... The other, but the humanoids are, you know, the human ones are very reactionary. The AI seems very intelligent. Put it to you this way: the AI is intelligent. Artificial intelligence is intelligent. Right. They are, they are reacting to you. They're reacting to your moves. Um, aggro radiuses. We also, we've gone into that before. They they're tweaking those. It appears like I think it really makes sense to the planet and what's going on around you. Um, the way that the AI acts. Are, like acts in your story is believable it's not like you're just sitting there watching a movie you know what i mean hmm. they're reacting to what you're saying yeah i was gonna say that makes it sound a lot more dynamic and it exciting. is it's very very well i have never seen anything like this this is very very well done um yeah, cool. so yeah the combat and the and not only that but the combat's not choppy it's very fluid you know it, i think it was the first time i saw some latency going on between client and server so there were some things where you kind of queued it up you know it's the best way to put it and it, it, there's there is some work that they need to do a little bit on that but aside from that um well did you sit there and like really were you entertained at how awesome your character looked at it was as she or he was leaping around and doing the different abilities um i played a consular and i had my i was more impressed with like the fact that they improved on the um stick that I had as a Sith Inquisitor. <laughs> and it, it actually it looked like a Viper Sword, so that was really cool. Um, there's still a lot of placeholder stuff in there, and it was really, the combat is very engaging. I didn't get, put it to you this way, I didn't get bored with it. 
Does that hmm. make sense? And I just yes. wanted to keep getting more and more stuff to see how this all like kind of worked together. And it seemed like it was very logical in the beginning mm -hmm. in terms of like what your ability progression, you know, because it's like as you were encountering higher level mobs, you then had the ability to that would actually help you deal with that situation. Or right, if you're right. like me and don't have enough credits on you, you're running around trying to sell your stuff because you can't train that new ability because you don't have enough money. So that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that story. <laughs> yeah, that I was like, uh, that was funny. And running That's around what you get I'm like, for can I have more everything. vendor? I need a vendor over here more, you know. And then, you know, so it was interesting. Um, the min the way the mini map works, it just everything seems really cool. And like the biggest thing that I thought was like the coolest was that codex. I really liked that really like yeah. that i'm like really into achievements and and so i mean just like that and when when they talked about how collecting stuff for it it's almost like this little mini game where you, where you feel like you're making achievements i, I kind of got excited by that yeah that's definitely like a carrot on the stick there because you're sitting there going okay i know one of six okay how do i get the other two ones you know what I mean? Right. Like, how do I meet other people or something like that? And I find that stuff very motivating. Yeah, it is. It is very motivating. You want to fill out, you want to, you really get the sense that you want to fill out your codex. I don't mm -hmm. know if the rest of the guys felt that way. I felt that way. Because I'm in a retentive yeah, like that, and I need to have everything, all my dots, you know, my I's dotted, T's crossed when it comes to something like, with a system like yeah, that. Yeah, that's definitely a certain kind of personality in a gamer that, that not everyone really appreciates. But anyway, I find that the idea of the codex and filling it out really interesting. Um, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. Really, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, so... Um, one of the things that you talked about, they that you guys talked about in your coverage, was the when you did the flashpoints, and there has been some talk about, you know, how much, how much, you know, how much time do you really want to spend on these cutscenes? And you talked about how getting the pre-event for the flashpoint was pretty involved and lengthy, and there were like, t t you know, ten decisions or more or something like that. Was once you got through that pre-event dialogue, I mean, did you? was the bulk of the flashpoint devoted to combat or do, do you kind of have to keep going through these these cutscenes? it works logic like a logical progression does that make sense mm -hmm. like you defeat one part of the encounter and then you go back into the into the dialogue again to keep advancing mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so it's like I, it, yeah. it, it like uh, it like almost creates a save point does that make sense <laughs> so is it like you you start and maybe there's some trash mobs and a boss and now it's time to go talk to people again? That no, you start off with – you start uh, – for this particular Flashpoint, we um, um, went in and we started off with dialogue. Now, here's the thing. Like, I still don't know this for a fact, okay? And I didn't ask anybody and I probably should have. But it might have been the decisions that we were making that were actually prolonging the conversation, so maybe when you go back and do it again, you know which one to make to get the result that you want. And don't forget, it, they can go either way. You know, there's a different right. ending for each of these things. I don't want to spoil story here, um, but there's different endings to these things. Obviously, like, kill the captain, save the captain, which, you know. Mm -hmm. So right. so what you do is let's you go in there, you find the guy that you need to talk to to start the flashpoint. You start it, you go into a dialogue on get out of the dialogue, go fight, then to get to the next part of it, you have to go through another set of dialogue options, and then after those end, then you go fight, you know, so it, we just felt like there was a lot of dialogue, because again, I have no well, idea what was causing it. 
The uh, I know the way the Mass Effect conversation wheel, which is I think exactly the same yes, <laughs> as it is the Tor same. conversation wheel works, is that um, whenever options are on the right, that like progresses the conversation forward, and they're arranged in like um, you know like good, neutral, bad, like top to bottom. And then if you ever have a dialogue option on the left, it means that you're going further in depth into a dialogue tree. So like if you don't want to talk a lot, you always just like hit the ones on the right and keep pushing forward. Oh, that's interesting. But that's the way that's the way Mass Effect works because right. I obviously haven't played Tor. <laughs> yeah, but that's Mass Effect. But we haven't seen that thing on the left yet. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. Do okay. you understand? Cool. So was, you always see the top bot, and not only that, but they would always they, they kind of tricked us. It's like I always thought that <laughs> the dark side choice was always on the bottom. It's not necessarily. You actually have to read the choices, so they mix it up yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I think they're trying to get away from the things where you will not even, you'll just, you know, go into autopilot and just click left, click top, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, that makes sense. That but I'm glad to hear them do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I want it to be something that we immerse ourselves in. And how can we immerse ourselves if we're going to go, the answer's always C. You know, I mean, yep. seriously. Yeah, yep, definitely. breaking that pattern is great. But, but don't get me wrong, the dialogue is really fun. We were sitting here and we were laughing as we were doing <laughs> And I could totally, like, because we were, like, sitting there going, hey, you know, like, how evil can we be here? <laughs> we can be the evil Jedi. <laughs> the evil <laughs> Jedi is here, fun. you know, and stuff like that, because, you know, we all play Sith characters. So that's... Do, do people kind of yell at each other? Yeah, the, the, well, the I, heard a, I heard a lot of fun. Well, we all knew what we were going to do. I mean, mm -hmm. and, like, they were even vocalizing this. Oh, we know what Darth Vader is going to do. And it was really easy <laughs> to figure that out. But um, the way that the multiplayer dialogue works is with the point system, obviously. You're going to get your dark side and light side points off of the choices that you make. So it doesn't really matter what the initial choice was. If you didn't win the role, you'd still get that light side point. So if you made a light side choice. But, like, everybody was just laughing. We were just like, okay, we know what we're going to do. We're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna cause some some significant evil here. So there, that was really fun, and the more fun was also the fact that I was running a whole lot of the roles. So like um, Ben was sitting next to me, and he was getting all pissed because he couldn't win a single conversation choice. <laughs> I have random number generators, random. So yeah, do we? Yeah, do we know? Is it? completely like roulette wheel random or is it like it's like a dice roll like like, no. it's a dice roll so it you're all matter. it automatically like rolls for you vote. okay That's so just imagine like like all the dice rolls are, and then who wins whose choice wins you know does uh -huh. that make sense and yeah. it, it's done automatically for you you don't have to do anything to like activate it Okay, yeah. Oh, that sounds so fun. All right, well, let's move on to, let's see. Now, we talked. you talked a little bit about getting to, you know, level 10. Um, and, and that's the point where you have to make your decision about advanced classes for different things. Now, um, now that we know that it's not, it's not that maybe you, that you will be able to change, it's not as maybe as big a question. But do you feel like at that level you're ready to make that choice for your character? Um, I don't really think so. I don't know. It, I think it's... Let's put it to you this way. I'm more concerned about the people who are not following the game right now. Hmm. You know, like the people who are just going to randomly like buy the game, they're going to see an end cap at a, at a retailer and be like, oh, Star Wars, I'm going to... I'll pick this up. I like Star Wars games. You know, not the people that are constantly on the forums and stuff like that. I worry about them. Because the people who are on the forums and who follow the game are not going to have a problem. 
with picking <laughs> what their advanced class is. I'm more concerned about the people who don't really have that much information and just pick up the game on a whim. That they That's might right. sit there and go, wait a minute, this isn't how I really want. After they pick it and they play it for a little bit, this isn't how I want to go. I'm going to have to go and re-roll. And that might mm -hmm. frustrate them. Does that make any sense? Does that make any yeah. little bit of sense? Uh, it's just a little small concern for me. Um, but Yeah, and didn't you say that like you played the counselor that, that – the f early levels you're playing in one style and then at some point it's almost like you switch right around the time that you have to make this decision about what kind of counselor you want to be well you want well you have to realize i didn't get up all the way up to level 10 on my counselor but mm -hmm. the point is is that we saw a trainer that had the abilities and they were very very melee but people need to keep in mind that this was not a complete list so mm -hmm. okay. it wasn't a complete like everything is on there type of deal there at all there was definitely some gaps where some like you'd gain a level there's something missing there not only that but on the advanced classes they give you some very specialized abilities um but the bulk of your abilities are coming from core class which are available to either either advanced class does that make sense right, right. like so you right. have like yeah. to put it in perspective i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but like say like there would be like 15 abilities that are coming from the core class and you'd have like a couple that are like less than five that would be coming from your mm -hmm. your ac just to give you just an idea of how that works you know because it's a really long listing for for the core class which both right, sides right. have access to so it's probably can be its own play style as well so it's not like you lose anything you have those you just don't have access to the other advanced classes specialty okay. specialty abilities Does that makes sense so yes. so technically um and uh, a jedi sage could play the same way as a shadow if you want to think about it because they could spec like one that shared skill set the same exact way and then also use just their core class abilities and not so much of their other ones. Does that make sense too? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's yeah. just hard because it's there. It's an income. You're looking at an incomplete list, and I just thought it was very. You know, Dover's big feeling is like he doesn't understand why they're doing that. He doesn't understand why there's like a, there was a whole bunch of melee stuff there, and you know, it's a little strange. But then again, you have to keep in mind that there's two skill sets that are unique to that advanced class. So right. Those will give you the ver that those supposedly in theory should give you that all that um, variety as well. Because if you go back mm -hmm. to the advanced class dev blog that they did, they showed you like, oh, okay, you can do all this, and this also opens up some question questions to me about what was Damian Schubert talking about when he mentioned legacy system to me. Yeah, we haven't heard anything so about that. So I was. Well, I've been chewing some stuff over my head about that, and I'm like, oh, it would make sense if, like, they did some, like, things, abilities would uh, kind of work in a way of metaclassing that worked in, sh how that worked in Shadowbane is the best way for me to explain it. I haven't really fully 100% fleshed this out just yet, so bear with me, but <laughs> I would think that you would be able to, like, say you had to spend five points in one thing, really, you only, at the, the legacy system, something unlocks, we only have to spend one point to get it. So then you mm -hmm. have more points at your disposal, which gives you, therefore, more variety. It's one way they could possibly do it. So that's why I'm like, I'm going off track here, sorry, but that's <laughs> where I thought. There's some speculation <laughs> there, but that's what, that's basically what that, my reconciliation with that is, 
is that something has right. to be keyed in with the legacy system in order to keep it consistent. All right. Well, we will see. It'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. Um, now, you have played not only the Jedi Council, but you've played a few other classes. Is that right? Yes, correct. Um, so let me ask you, how did what did you think about the Jedi uh, Counselor story compared to the other classes that you've played? Well, I can just sum everything up with this. The whole game, like, you have to play it from all the different perspectives. You really do, because that's how you get the whole story of what's going on. And the whole thing, and pardon my language here, I really, my 100% opinion for this is that the whole game's a mind. <laughs> what? <laughs> is this like the end of St. Elsewhere when it was all the Jura dream? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Because I don't want to spoil <laughs> stories for people, but I think I'm, I, when you play a whole bunch of different classes, you start to get that feeling significantly. <laughs> that there is this whole thing going on here and you think it's one way but really it's not it's a mind <laughs> so you're gonna bleep that out if you want but that's what it is i, I can't think of a better word so yeah okay that's it that's, can't i can't wait. talk anymore i don't want to keep spoiling people's stories or anything like that can't wait. all right i'm gonna be thinking about this conversation for a while <laughs> well i have i have one final question and then i know carla has a couple more after this but but um carla and i have had this argument debate for since since we both realized that we were playing different factions and i and um you know i just wanted to ask you because you've played sith and i know that all you uh, that m most of you Darth Vader people want to play Sith, right? Um, does playing that class actually, their storylines, does it feel actually evil? Because, you know, like in WoW, you know, people always say, oh, Horde's the bad, you know, the, the, the alliance is good, Horde's evil. But that's not really the way those that plays. If you're a Horde, you don't feel like you're doing bad things. You're just playing your quest or whatever. I'm curious to know if if playing a Sith is is actually feels like you're doing you're doing mean things. Well, frying people with lightning is pretty damn cool and evil. So, But <laughs> yes. aside from that, no. This is the only game that I've played that actually feels like it's starting to get the Sith right. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? In terms of the writing style. Where it's just, you have a different way of looking at things. You're not evil. You're not, mm -hmm. you know, if you... I, I've had, like, multiple conversations with Daniel Erickson about this and in the interviews and stuff like that about the Sith and, like, trying to clarify this for people that just because you're Sith doesn't mean you're bad. And the game doesn't play that way either, like, in terms of the story. Like, it doesn't, like, you're evil. You know, you can be... It's just... It means... The dark side means different things for different people. For different classes, too. So... Mm -hmm. And and how you go about it. Uh, but you don't feel evil, you know. You, you could be short-tempered. Does that make you evil? Right. You know? I just want to kill the guy. Just get him over with. You know? So you're not, like, killing children in the Jedi temple like Anakin Skywalker are we killing younglings I don't know yes. I hope so that'd be awesome uh, I hope so <laughs> I love cause. killing the younglings no I yeah Lucas I don't think they'd let me do that but you haven't seen anything like that yet we're killing a lot of innocent cre don't get us don't get me wrong but we are you are killing a lot of innocent creatures <laughs> committing some wholesale slaughter going on even on the Jedi side so 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna it's, say. You, you know, you are killing, it's an MMO, you go out and kill stuff, you know, so, right, and it's right. a game, so you're doing that, you're going to do that regardless, whether you're light side or dark side. So, <laughs> so you're, the, the debate goes on. The debate goes on, <laughs> but I'm telling you, the Sith don't really feel like, just to sum this up, they don't feel like they're evil. You just think you're crafty. Which is probably good. You're, devi- <laughs> you're a little de- devious. Not evil, but you're devious. You're, you're pretty much, especially as Sith, Sith Inquisitors are devious. Yay! They're very, very devious. All right. Well, that leads us to what class do you want to play and why? Uh, it's always been Sith Inquisitor since it was announced because that's what I want to do. I love I love caster classes and um, I like light armor classes. I like classes that have the ability to go in there and just raise hell and pew pew. So <laughs> that's what I like playing. I'm I'm a DPS type of a person. I'm all about like numbers and optimizations of those numbers. Um, so that's what I wanted to play. However, my second choice, I'm playing all of the Sith classes. My first one will probably be the Sith Inquisitor. And that, I wasn't always like that. I said, I'm just going to play the Sith Inquisitor and that's all I'm playing. And then as I've been playing more and more of different classes, I'm like, I really want to experience this story. I want to do the re-rolling thing, which is something that I've never done. Like, my alts mm-hmm. and other games, you know, I'd max them up and use them for, like, rating, just for the sole purpose of that we would need that class for rating. But this is the first game where I was just like, you know what, I really want to roll, I want to see the Bounty Hunter story, because the Bounty Hunter dialogue's fantastic. Um, I want to see, mm-hmm. you know, the Sith War, the Sith, I really want to play, Sith, Sith Marauder's got to be, like, my second one. I really wanted to do Sith Inquisitor, and then do Sith Assassin, and and then do Sith Sorcerer. But now I'm saying, okay, I'm going to do the Assassin, then I'm going to do the Marauder, then I'm going to do my Bounty Hunter, and then I'm going to do my Imperial Agent. So but the advanced classes are all the damaged ones. I don't play the support roles. I'm not very good at tanking or healing. I'm just, no. I need to focus. I'm really excited to hear you say that because being a WoW player where I have come in and and I love to raid um, and do in-game stuff, I've never been one that likes to re-roll anything, and it, you sound very similar in that regard. Um, of if you're going to level something, it's to get ready for in-game. So this honestly has kind of changed your way of thinking about the game. Is that what I'm, I'm yes, hearing? It has over over the past in the beginning. Like if you asked me a year and a half ago what I was doing, I'd be like Sith Inquisitor. You know, that's that's it. You know, that's all I'm doing is Sith Inquisitor. Um, and but as you play more and more classes, you want to play more and more classes in your actual game time. You know what you want to do first, you know. But the whole point is <laughs> to what it sounds like to me is that you play each one of the classes, and then you get like the Sith story, and then you want to go. And m- maybe not my case. I don't think I will. I might play the Smuggler, but you might want to go on the Republic side and then go play all of those classes as well in a in a methodical way. So that way you get the whole idea of what's going on. And it seems awesome. like from, you know, from conversations that's been alluded to that that's what they really want to encourage you to do. So it's, but if you want to do endgame and stuff like that, I think, I think, I roll alts when it's like my spare time, when I'm not like doing anything on my main, you know, type of thing. So right. that's probably what I'll be doing. And I'm going to try and see if I can get all of them 
on the, at least on the Sith side. I don't want to say Republic. I think Republic would be just way too much time. <laughs> and I really, <laughs> as I said, aside from the smuggler, I just, you know, like, I didn't like the Jedi Consular story. I didn't like uh, the Jedi Knight story um, from what I've seen of it. Um, so. That's awesome. I mean, really, that's kind of reassuring to me because we have heard throughout all of this storyline, 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 re-roll, re-roll, re-roll. And those of us that are like in-gamers, and I consider myself an in-gamer type player, I've like, why would I want to re-roll? I mean, but now it sounds like they're making it to where you really want to. And I'm starting to see a, a bigger picture here. I don't know. Ask me again in six months. I might give you a different there answer. You go. I don't know. But I really, my mindset right now is that I would like to re-roll into other characters as well. Cool. To just experience that whole picture feeling. Okay, after all of the stuff that you've been doing lately, what was the, your most favorite thing that you've discovered by playing the game? Um, definitely the codex because I think I, and I think I talked about why I, I, I like the mm -hmm. codex the codex is fantastic um, I like that I love the AI I think the AI is phenomenal um, the attention to detail in the environment and the facial detail and stuff like that is fantastic the voiceover when you're talking to somebody who just likes to go out and go kill the voiceover you actually enjoy you know, it's not something you want to skip through. Eventually, you know, I'm sure as you get... I'm just talking about, like, lower-level stuff. I'm sure as you get higher and higher, it's... You, you, your patience wears thin. But I like the dialogue. I thought it was really well done. Um, and the voiceover adds... Like, I can't... The game has ruined me playing other MMOs because of the voiceover. <laughs> I, I can't go back to reading quest text at all. Like, I've looked over my husband's shoulders, he's playing World of Warcraft, and I'm like, how could you even do this? Like, all the other games look like crap to me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I'm probably very biased. It's just, they look like crap. And I'm... Like, people who play WoW don't read quest text either, so... <laughs> exactly! <laughs> but, it's no, like... No, they have a mod for that. <laughs> well, well there's, que there's a quest helper that's actually built into the game. So oh, yeah. you can like uh, everything's all iconed out and stuff like that. In same as it is in World of Warcraft now. So same, it's really well done. The mapping systems, the mapping system is really nice too because it's not like you're going around and just filling out unshaded areas. It's all there for you. You're just kind of, you know, poking around. So the, there's a lot of. I liked how you got um, exploration XP. I like that because I, I like went from one to two and I didn't do anything except for walk around. So, oh, wow. you know, I didn't kill anything. I don't think I, I participated in one conversation, you know. So, I mean, I like that and I'm sure obviously it gets longer over time and XP increase, the next level increases, obviously, because we've reported that. Um, and it just feels really good and like the animations, the work that they do with like, the lightsabers connecting and stuff like that, or like swords and stuff connecting and how the AI reacts to you is fantastically well done I'm a little concerned right. I'm just a little concerned about some of the latency issues the network stuff that I'm starting to quite you know it's like you got the base of it down okay now let's, let's, let's start talking about like some of these details 
you know what I mean? Like latency yes. and network configuration and servers and how they're all, where they're going to be placed and all that other fun stuff. Well, hopefully they'll start or have been considering what they're going to do with that. Well, let's take the, we're going to wrap this up and the final question is, if there is one thing that BioWare could improve upon from your point of view, what would that be? Get rid of the stupid trainers. I really don't like them. That just, that's just me. <laughs> really? I, I, I really want to see a good, especially when it comes to the Force users, I want to see a stronger bond between um, your Master Apprentice stuff. Maybe that comes later. You know, maybe that's more down the road when you're like level 30 or something like that. But right off the bat, I yes, it seems natural. Yes, they tested it. I'm still like, hey... It's a very jarring thing when you when you visit a trainer and it's like okay great, and they uh, I think they have to work on a little bit of their traffic pattern stuff a little bit more um, in the early zones as well because they're going to be crowded and there's a lot of quests that they could I, I I would you know like the rare you know like you're want looking for something to drop or like certain mobs or whatever. Um, I really wish it was more like kill more of this type of stuff in the in the beginning, just because I can see where the like, the traffic issues are going to happen. You know, you're going to be standing around waiting for something to respawn. You know, when uh -uh. the areas, well, and we only had like I think 20 people in there. Well, and it may be because it was early, and you only had 20 people in there that they didn't spawn everything like that. You know what I mean? I'm hoping that's the case. I That's just the one issue that I'm just like starting zones are very very important to retention. If a someone absolutely. gets frustrated at below level 5, you might lose them as a customer. So I'm more about like making sure that there's enough you know, good traffic flow in those first few quests. And, uh, or maybe my concern is like nothing to be concerned about. But that's about it. It's like the <laughs> trainers, and, and that needs to be a little bit improved. Also, some placements of vendors and stuff like that. There's, it's, it's, these just feel like little minor tweaks that they probably have already heard in testing. So, Well, you know, I just want to say how much we have enjoyed your visit with us. Um, we cannot thank you enough. For letting us put you through the ringer about everything that you've been through <laughs> over the past couple of years and uh, we really have um, appreciated the little insights and the tidbits of information because you've taught me a few things about the game that while it has been said listening to the way you're saying it really puts it into a, a different perspective and I cannot thank you enough for for being our guest thank you thank you so much for having me. you guys do a fantastic job over here you're really well organized i enjoy your podcast and i hope you continue and i hope you grow them and let's make them bigger and better and i think they're i i have of course i have mucho respect for anyone who's a female in the gaming world too so that actually knows <laughs> what they're talking about and you ladies know exactly what you're talking about and it's it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me on here well, thank you. Well, don't go anywhere yet, because we have a Sith or Jedi test coming up. Yep. Up next, our real-life Sith or Jedi challenge. Sith. Strong am I with the Force. 
Jedi. Okay, last time we found that the three of us have a forgiving streak when it comes to forgotten thank you notes. Miss Manners would approve of our taking the high road attitude, but would probably not approve that we think thank you notes have become optional. So far, our scores stand at Carla negative four, Kathy plus six, Roxanne plus one. Remember, negative scores reflect a dark side tendency, while positive scores reflect a light side tendency. Okay, are you guys ready for your Sith or Jedi challenge? Yep. Mm -hmm. Alrighty, this is the test of the last Twinkie. It is late, and you are in the mood for a little late night snack. You open the cupboard, and along with the dried fruit, pasta, soups, and canned veggies, you see a box of Twinkies. Eureka! Just the thing to chase away the nighttime rumblies. You grab the box and look inside and realize there is only one Twinkie left. And that was probably for your kids' lunch for tomorrow. What do you do? One, leave the Twinkie in the box. Your spouse is always after you for eating the kids' snacks. Two, eat the Twinkie. Maybe no one will notice. And you can buy more Twinkies tomorrow. Three, eat the Twinkie. You paid for the Twinkies, not the kids. If your spouse questions you, blame the neighbor kid. So ladies, what would you do? This is an issue that used to come up all the time in our house. <laughs> and we would constantly be accusing our, my husband of eating things that he wasn't supposed to. So um, I personally would leave the Twinkie in the box because I do feel like there's, you know, if it's, if it's gushers or dinosaur fruit snacks, you know, those, those are not things adults are supposed to be eating. <laughs> and so that would be mine. How about you, Roxanne? Well, I don't have children. <laughs> I know. To you have be to saving the Twinkie for. I, if it were like a roommate situation, then that would be, it would be like unforgivable <laughs> to steal the last Twinkie if it wasn't yours. But, um, I don't know. Uh,. Yeah, I don't know. If you paid for it, then it's totally yours. And it's, like, late, and you're probably not thinking straight. So I would probably just eat the Twinkie. <laughs> what about you, Amalaya? I just quit smoking. Of course I'm going to eat the Twinkie. <laughs> Seriously. The question is, are you, you going to blame like, the neighbor kid? <laughs> am I going to blame the neighbor kid? Sure, I'll blame the neighbor kid. <laughs> but we, we don't have kids either, so it's it's hard to say. Actually, I blame the cat. How about that? I'll blame the cat. There you go. Blame the cat. Well, of course, Kathy, you have chosen the light side. You shouldn't be eating that junk food anyway. Have some baby carrots instead. <laughs> Not nearly as good. I know. And Emilia and Roxanne, you have both chosen the dark side, who makes the rules about what food belongs to which people anyway. Whoever bought the Twinkies should have thrown enough boxes in the cart so the whole family could share. I think the real thing to do is that you leave the empty Twinkie box in your cabinet because that's always the worst thing. <laughs> yes! When, like, I Roxanne, mean, woman after my own heart. <laughs> people used to do that with ice cream and you're like, oh, I'm going to have ice cream and it's like totally empty or maybe there's like a spoonful left and you're like, who did this? <laughs> like, why is Dad. this even in here? I know, it's like a trap and then it's that's even worse than there being none because you were tricked. <laughs> How about you, Carla? Oh, I'd eat the Twinkie for sure. And I'd blame somebody. 
<laughs> Absolutely, I'd eat the Twinkie. Okay, you can read all the past Sith or Jedi questions on our website at CorellianRun.com. Keep score and see which way you lean. Thanks to Emlay for appearing on our show. Darth Hader's been very supportive of Corellian Run Radio, and we really appreciate it, and we have sincerely appreciated her presence here for this podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, Guild Launch. Guild Launch is the place to go for full-featured Guild web hosting. Please check them out at guildlaunch.com. You can contact us through our website at corellianrun.com, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you would like to leave a message and maybe tell us if you would eat the Twinkie or not, you can call us at 281-766-4511. We also have a Google Voice button on our site. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast, if you like, through iTunes or Zoom. And we would finally like to thank everyone who voted for us uh, as their favorite fan site on the official poll that appeared in last Friday update. Um, we can't thank you by name since that poll doesn't give that info, but you know who you are. We appreciate your vote. And Emlay, if you could give us the Darth Hader contact information, that would be terrific. Sure. Just visit us at www.darthhader.com or you can follow us at Twitter, on Twitter or Facebook at Real Darth Hader. That wraps it up for us at Corellian Run Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. Until next time, I'm Kathy. I'm Roxanne. And I'm Carla. May the Force be with you. And may you never run out of Twinkies. You have been listening to Corellian Run Radio, a Star Wars The Old Republic podcast. Tune in next time to hear Roxanne say... So, if you think socks are so bad, why does Santa put them in our Christmas stockings every year? And trust